before the cross, Lord Jesus. We celebrate the cross today. Not just a piece of fashion jewelry someone wears around their neck. Not X marks the spot, but the cross of Christ crucified. We celebrate and thank you for the cross. Because there you poured your life out for every one of us. There you sacrificed so that we could be whole. There you went and suffered for sin so that we didn't have to. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the cross. Amen. Before you're seated this morning, everybody say, Tadaleste. Come on, say it again. Tadaleste. That's the Greek word for it's finished. Jesus said, Tadaleste. It is finished. Everybody say it again this morning. Tadaleste. One, two, three. Perfect. All right, there you go. See Greek lesson 101 today. Good. You can be seated this morning. Praise the Lord. It is finished. Amen. Praise God. Well, I forgot my bifocals today, so I have my reading ears on, and you're all blurry right now. But when I look down at my notes, they're nice and clear, but, but every one of you, it's like I can't, you know, I can see who everybody is in the front row, but you start to get pretty blurry beyond that. Looking through readers at 100 feet is not good. I just want you to know that. Never drive with your readers on. That's, that's not recommended. Praise the Lord. Well, today, um, I want to talk to you about a message that I think is both relevant to uh, our Holy Weekend, but also to the climate and the season that we find ourselves in. And I want to speak two related messages today and on Sunday that are connected together and are literally in many ways uh, two sides of one coin. You know, uh, people talk all the time about the fact that you can't separate Good Friday from Easter, but I want to talk to you about how there, there, there are two different days and in many ways opposite days, two sides of a coin. You know, after 30 years of ministry, 30 plus years, I thought that we had seen it all until the last 12 months, right? Last year, Good Friday, there was nobody here except for the team that was putting together the broadcast. And we remember, you know, sharing communion as, as like 10 of us here in the building, uh, you know, broadcasting the service and encouraging people to do so at home. And, uh, you know, we never... I don't think in my wildest dreams I had this thing ending, you know, in my mind, probably by, you know, the end of summer, right, September, uh, you know, didn't anticipate second wave, third wave, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the last 12 months have been really uh, strange, something that none of us have ever experienced before, unless you were alive in 1918. Uh, and, you know, it's it's been an unusual year for sure. And whether you believe the pandemic is the greatest uh, threat to our health and well-being that we've ever faced, or whether you're on the other end of the spectrum and you think it's just an unjust uh, opportunity for the expansion of global socialism, you know, uh, the reality is, regardless of the opinion about it, we have all experienced the effects of it uh, on our lives, on our daily routines, on how we live, on how we worship, on how we share and do life together. It has changed the fundamentals of our society and how we work together. And there have been no shortage of negative headlines 
coming out of the last 12 months. You know, stories, obviously, stories of people who lost their lives to the virus. But businesses closing down due to lockdowns. Individuals losing their jobs due to a downturn in the economy. People struggling with mental health and uh, uh, other issues because of isolation. There's virtually no one that has not been touched in some way or another uh, by what our world has went through in the last 12 months. And all these stories, all of these headlines have a common thread. They're stories of something tragic, something bad happening to otherwise good people. Right? They're, they're stories of something bad happening to otherwise just good people, ordinary people. And uh, today I want to talk to you about when bad things happen to good people. When bad things happen to good people. You know, as I said, Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday are inseparable. Uh, and you can't have one with the other, without the other. You know, there's no Sunday celebration if Jesus didn't die on Good Friday. You know, and, uh, and, and on, conversely, though, on Sunday, we have nothing to celebrate uh, if Jesus didn't actually die on Friday, right? If, if there was no sacrificial lamb. And uh, in some respects, though, Good Friday and Easter Sunday are completely opposite celebrations. And that's how I want to approach these next two days, today and on Sunday. Today, I want to focus on one side of the message of the gospel. And that is the, the side of the message of the gospel that we call mercy. And today, I want to talk about when bad things happen to good people. It seems to me, you know, when I talk to people who are maybe on a journey of their faith, wanting answers about life, trying to figure out you know, where do I fit in this world? Uh, is there an eternity? Is there a God? All of those different kinds of questions. One of the biggest stumbling blocks in people wrapping their heads around the concept of a good and loving God is this question. How do I deal with the fact that bad things happen to good people? How do I handle the, the stories and the situations of when uh, bad things happen to good people. When you hear of a young mom collapsing because of heart disease or a young man suffering from cancer or an innocent life claimed by a drunk driver, something inside us is repulsed. Your sense of justice, it cries out for an explanation. We want to try and understand. We want to be able to rationalize those events. But more often than not, we're left with more questions than we are answers. You know, in the past year has been filled with those kinds of stories, stories of something uncontrollable, something beyond uh, our ability to, to figure it out that is no respecter of persons, so merciless that it would attack innocent people, valuable people, sick people, loved people, people who, in our understanding, did not deserve it. And it's troubling when bad things happen to good people. You say things like, it's not fair. Why did this happen to them? Or worse still, sometimes, be honest, we say, why couldn't that happen to so-and-so instead? All of these responses, whether we realize it or not, are the byproduct of the rational mind. The rational Western mind that believes that there should be a rational explanation for everything, right? 
There should be a rational, scientific, understandable explanation for every single thing that happens. Our Western, independent, self-made society is entrenched in this concept, this rational concept of earn and deserve, right? We believe that everything happens to us, everything happens to us because it's a byproduct of our choices or the decisions that we have made. We say things like, well, fortune favors the bold, right? We believe that I'm prosperous because I worked, because I did this, and this is the result of my labors. And conversely, if misfortune falls upon people, we tend to think in the back of our minds, well, that's because they're lazy or indifferent or they made the wrong choices, they didn't do this right, they didn't do that right, etc., etc. And that's why this rational mindset has invaded our Christian experience to the degree where some Christians, if you're struggling with sickness, with cancer, or with some other disease, will actually come up to you and say, there must be some sin in your life, because they're looking for a rational explanation of why this person is being afflicted in this way. There's got to be some reason. You've got to have some sin in your life. If you just confess that sin, then you'd be fine. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that we uh, encounter in our life, some ills, some problems, some circumstances that are directly a result of sinful decisions, and I'm not making light of that. But that's not what we're talking about here today. We're talking about what do we do when bad things seem to happen to people who didn't do anything to deserve it? that didn't do anything to earn those situations and those circumstances. That's what we're talking about today. You know, the truth is that because of Jesus Christ and what he did today on Good Friday, now you're going to say this today, and I want you to listen to me very carefully, that you and I do not receive punishment for our sins. Did you hear what I said? Danny Silk uh, says it better than anybody I've ever heard uh, put it this way before. He says, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, those who trust in him are unpunishable. Unpunishable. And I can see you guys going, now, now, pastor, come on. Unpunishable? Yes, unpunishable. Either we believe that or we don't believe the gospel. Because the Bible says that Jesus took upon himself the iniquities of us all. Did he just take some sins? Did he just take the sins in your past and not the sins from your future? Because if that's the case, if he only took the sins in your past, but everything you do from the day you accept Christ forward is on you, then we're back to earn deserve. That you're only saved as long as you continue to live right, talk right, look right, smell right, stand right, blah, blah, blah. No. Because of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross, Danny says it well, we are unpunishable. We're unpunishable. Now listen, doesn't mean we're undisciplinable. Right? In fact, the scripture says, those he loves, he, he chastens. Notice it doesn't say he punishes those he loves, he disciplines. And, and it's hard for us because we live in a very morally confused world when it comes to punishment and discipline. Very confused. We, we're trying to discipline our criminals and many households are punishing their children 
backwards. Right? Are you hearing me today? We're very confused about it. Discipline has at its end the byproduct of trying to restore behavior and teach a principle. Right? So when we apply discipline, it's so that we can, we can curb a behavior to produce an, a principle in the person's life. But punishment is payment for what has already been done. And the Bible says that, that we do not receive punishment, but God does discipline us. Sometimes he comes along, and, and you know what discipline's like. Discipline doesn't come in the, the form of, of cancer or some other thing being given to you. That's ludicrous. Discipline comes in the voice of the Holy Spirit going, really? How many of you have had that voice? You know, you've blown it with your spouse, and, and the Holy Spirit speaks and goes, really? Is that how I taught you to talk to your spouse? And you're like, no. And you instantly feel the weight of Holy Spirit's presence in your life. And he begins to correct you. And he begins to say, you can do better. Now, what do you need to do? I need to get up and I need to apologize. I need to ask for forgiveness. He goes, and? And I need to pledge not to do that again. Got it. Go ahead, son. Right? See, discipline works at changing behavior in the, con- in the context, in the culture of love. And that's what God has for us. He wants to change our behavior and the culture and context of love. But Jesus took our punishment. Someone say amen. And on the cross, Christ took the punishment of all my sins, past, present, and future. They're all underneath the blood of Jesus Christ. And I cannot produce a better outcome for my life eternally by the way that I live because that's already been purchased by Jesus. What I can do is produce a better life for myself in this world by the way that I live the choices that I make. And God is there to help me every step of the way so that I can leave legacy, so that I can pass on blessing from generation to generation to generation. But my eternal security is 100% in Him. Amen? It's in Him. Hallelujah. Somebody say with me, sickness and disease are not a form of discipline. You know, Jesus himself said, if you being carnal, if you being a plain, good, old-fashioned human being know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those that ask? Does that sound like the person who's going to give you a, a crippling disease to punish you? No. And any theology that you come in, if you come go to a church and you encounter that theology, leave. It's not the gospel. Wow, did he actually say that? Yes. Now, I want to talk about another aspect of earned deserve before we close out today. It's the spirit of entitlement. In many ways, you know, seems very different from the concept of, 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 of punishment and of, you know, believing that, you know, everything is, is a result of my work. But entitlement is rampant in our culture today. And the spirit of entitlement that our Western society suffers from is another byproduct of this earned, deserved culture that we live in today. Now, what is the spirit of entitlement? Let me be clear about this. The spirit of entitlement is not the sin of believing that you're worth something. It is the sin of believing that you are owed something. 
right? It's not about your intrinsic value. It's, it's not a sin to believe that you're valuable, that you're worth something. You're incredibly valuable to God and to those that love you and care for you. You're of an incredible, inestimable worth. So the sin of entitlement is not believing that I'm worth something. It is believing I'm owed something. And it's rampant in our culture. I used to be amazed when my international travels, because I'd go to other cultures, and I, and, and I think to myself, what's different? What is, what's missing here? And I'd realize after being there a few days, it's that there's no sense of entitlement. These people have a fraction of what we have in North America, but there's no expectation that they're entitled to anything. They realize that what they receive is a blessing, and they are grateful for it. In short, they don't believe they're owed anything. People in North America who are entrenched in the earned deserved mentality have produced a nation that believes that we're owed so much. Here among some of the richest people on earth, we have free health care, old age security, disability pensions, employment insurance, powerful unions, mother's allowance, and much more. And yet we suffer from some of the worst cases of entitlement that have ever existed in the history of humanity. And I want you to understand that it's contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we embrace the message of God's grace, then it will break the spirit of entitlement because the message of God's gospel of grace and of mercy is one of you and I receiving of you and I receiving what no man is entitled to. And I'll talk more about that on Sunday. So let me uh, let me wrap things up today. The message of the cross. Here's the thing that I want to drive home for you today is actually the story of something bad happening to someone who's good. It is that thing that drives us crazy in our earns deserve culture. Because Jesus Christ was the ultimate good, and the ultimate bad was thrust upon him. What repulses us in our earned deserve society is what we witness on Good Friday, friends. It is something bad, something horrible, something unimaginably difficult and painful happening to somebody who deserved it the least. And that sacrifice, it flies in the face of our earned deserved culture. And it's, it's, not, it's not new in the 20th century. For family devotions, Martin Luther once read the account of Abraham offering Isaac from Genesis chapter 22, and his wife Katie said, I do not believe it. God would not have treated his son like that. Martin Luther said, but Katie, he already did exactly what he did with Jesus. He gave his son Jesus up, sacrificed him for you and I. Good Friday is a celebration of that tragic experience happening to the ultimate good. Not only good, but perfect. Jesus was perfect. The writer of Hebrews says in 4.15, He says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet, everybody say yet, yet without sin. Jesus was sinless perfection. He was the ultimate good. Good Friday, today we celebrate the most wicked, horrible death being laid upon the most perfect being ever. It's the greatest example in history of something bad happening to somebody good. And it's one half of the gospel message. We call it mercy. Mercy. Good Friday is the celebration of God not giving us what we deserve. 
That's mercy. Mercy is when somebody does not receive the punishment they deserve. That's mercy. And it's one half of the gospel message. It's the Good Friday half. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on Good Friday, you and I do not receive what we deserve. By his mercy, it was placed on Jesus instead. The evil of all of our sin was placed on the ultimate good. Something bad happened to somebody good, and we're sitting here today experiencing the redemptive life of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 sums up this aspect of the gospel so well. It says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that we could be the righteousness of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Jesus Christ's gift on Good Friday is the expression of God's mercy towards us. Jesus, the ultimate good, had something evil happen to him so that you and I do not receive the punishment that you and I deserve. Amen. I want you to just put your hands out like this today. And as we're going to go into communion, I want you to just put in a posture of receiving today. Father, we are so grateful for all that you have done through the cross of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. And today as we gather around the table of remembrance, the table of remembering your sacrifice, we are so grateful for all that you have done on our behalf. We realize that it is finished, that Jesus, you paid the price for all of our sin, past, present, and future, and that we stand before you today as the righteousness of God because of the sacrifice made on Good Friday. And today we, we celebrate that. We rejoice in that. Not in pain and in suffering, but we rejoice in the fact that you willingly took what we deserved so that we could have what we don't deserve. Father, we thank you today. Give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. When you came in this morning, you should have received these emblems. And I'm going to invite you to stand with me together today in honor of our Savior. There's kind of two layers to this. The thin one is transparent. You can peel that off and you can access the wafer that's in there. And then you can peel the bigger one off afterwards and you can receive uh, the cup today. Or you can peel the whole thing off and then have to try and separate it afterwards. COVID complications. Amen. (laughs) You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he stood before his disciples with, with emblems that maybe were a little different than this, but still the symbols were there. And he looked at his disciples and he held up the bread and he said, this is my body. This is, you know, this has been given for you. And he said, as often as you eat this body, do it in remembrance of me. And then later he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of a new covenant. He said, as often as you drink this cup, he said, do in remembrance of me. And Jesus was demonstrating for them the living sacrifice that he was about to endure. 
as he gathered in that upper room on the day before his crucifixion. He was communicating to them what was going to be accomplished on the cross. A body sacrificed, blood spilled for our salvation. Amen. So I want you to take the emblems of his body today and just hold it in your hand. I want you to just bow your heads in prayer with me today. Father, I thank you so much that you gave your son Jesus. The bread of life. The body that was to be sacrificed on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, that that you willingly came, you obeyed the will of the Father, and you came and you endured the, the, the stripes and the scourging and the crucifixion and the piercing, that you gave your body. You gave your body to be bruised and afflicted on our behalf. And today we stand in your presence and we say thank you for the gift of your body. Thank you for your body that was sacrificed for me. Thank you for your body that bore the sins of the world on my behalf. Thank you today, Jesus. Let's partake of the emblem of his body together today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. On the same night, he took that cup, the Bible says, and held it up before the disciples. said, this is the cup of a new covenant. It's a new covenant. The covenant was always a blood covenant. The Old Testament was a blood covenant. It was a blood covenant of animals, lambs, sacrificed on our behalf. But all of those Old Testament sacrifices were pointing toward one sacrifice. The new covenant, the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, who would give himself for us. Whose blood would wash away our sins. The writer of Hebrews even said the, the blood of goats and animals and sheep, he said, could never wash away our sins, but the blood of Jesus Christ one time washes away all of our sins. And so we realize today that we don't drink this cup and, and that there is no salvation in this emblem. The salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do it today remembering the sacrifice that he made on our behalf. So Father, we thank you for sending your Son. And Jesus, we thank you for bleeding on that cross. We thank you that you suffered for us and that your precious blood was spilled so that we, we who were born and shaped in iniquity, we who have walked a, a course of sin, we who have indulged in, in every manner of evil, Father, could be purchased by your Son's blood and that we could be redeemed and we could be made whole that we could become the righteousness of God. Thank you for your blood, Jesus, that heals our diseases, who cleanses us from all iniquity, who turns us into the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. Amen. Let's partake together today. Thank you, Jesus. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the service today, we got quite a few people here today, certainly more than we're going to be allowed on Sunday. So it'll be a different feel on Sunday. But what I'd like to do today is if you need physical healing in your body, 
I just want you to raise your hand. If you've got family there, they can lay hands on you. But if, if you're not family, then we, shouldn't, we should not do that. We gotta practice physical distancing. But what you can do is stretch your hand out towards somebody who's beside you or near you if they're not part of your household and you can agree in prayer with that person. Because I believe that God wants to heal today. I believe around this table, this is, there is an opportunity for healing as we gather today around his table, amen? And you can be, I mean, it can be from sickness, disease from a virus, we can be healed in Jesus' name, amen? So if you need healing today, I just want you in faith just to raise, raise a hand. Just hold it up, we're gonna pray for you. Just hold it up nice and high so other people can see that hand. And then if you see that hand, I want you to, if you're part of that household, lay hands on that person, by all means. Uh, otherwise, could you just stretch your hands out toward them today? And my wife is going to pray. I believe she's got a word from the Lord about healing today. And we're going to pray together. We're going to believe for these healings to be made manifest in Jesus' name. But I think it bears uh, repeating. Headline number one. A young father with a son that has a severe speech impediment. He's listening to Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts says on the, they're listening on the radio. If you need healing, reach out. Put your hand on the radio right now. We're going to pray for healing. The father gets the son with a speech impediment. They put their hands on the radio. The son is healed. Instantly healed. Headline number two. A young mom is praying for her son. It's on a communion Sunday, just like this. She's been given bad news, medical news. It looks like there may be neurological damage, something wrong with the child. The mom stands for healing with the child in her arms. She prays, and over the course of five days, that little one that was so delayed, everything accelerates. And when they see the specialist, the specialist says, there's nothing wrong with this child other than low iron. Headline number three, a young man about 35 years of age goes on a 40-day fast. He has struggled for 28 years with a disease called colitis. At the end of the 40-day fast, unknown to him, was healed during the fast completely changed and it was uh, uh, headline number uh, four a young woman in Nicaragua for seven years this is a psychologist has longed for a child and was unable to conceive a couple from another country comes along and prays for her and just stands in faith with her and her family. Amen. Nine and a half months later, she's holding her newborn child. Amen. So headline number one, that was my father, my brother rather, that was healed of the speech impediment. And he is now a minister and preaches. Amen. On a weekly basis. Hallelujah. That baby boy... That was me. I was that young mom, and the baby boy was our son, Derek, that's usually leading worship each Sunday. The young man with colitis, that was my husband. And he 
was healed in 1997, and we have confirmation from doctors of his healing. Amen. And the last one was a young lady that Kevin and I prayed with and had the honor of praying with in Nicaragua, and she now has a little girl. Why am I telling you these stories to build your faith, to tell you that God is more than able, He's Amen. more than willing? And you may be saying, Amen. Amen. Well, it must be nice. If I was part of your family, then I would have access to this. Here's the thing is, you are part of the same family. Amen. You're part of God's family. He yes. is able. He is willing. Yes. And I just would ask that you would receive. And, and I feel that Holy Spirit has impressed on me that there is a, there's an, a, an anointing here. So whether you're here in the room or you're watching online, but there's an anointing here for deliverance for people struggling with addictions. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Whether it's food addictions, pornography addictions, mm -hmm. substance Jesus. abuse, mm -hmm. I really believe and I am so confident and anticipating the reports that the, yes. the Lord is wanting to release to you a healing Amen. and a deliverance. Amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. So right now, just raise your hands. Lift your hands to him today. Thank you, you, Jesus. Can, you can reach over and touch your phone or whatever if you're watching online. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I just declare Thank you, healing. Lord. Yes. All that was accomplished on the cross, it was salvation, but it was healing. And, and it's not ironic that it was the thorn that were surrounding Jesus' head, the blood that was shed there, the blood that was shed from his hands and his feet, the stripes on his back, that it's it's by his stripes you are healed. Yes, so I thank just you, Lord Jesus. Healing. I declare healing over thank you. Thank you, Lord. Healing over your mind. Healing for people just to release and to accept mm -hmm. and receive all the healing mm -hmm. that is there in the name of Jesus for them. Yes, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I just want you to take your hands again as I did earlier today. Hold them like this. Jesus, just pour into the hearts and the lives of all standing in faith today, believing for healing, deliverance to be set free. Father, may we receive it today as a gift from you. We did not do anything to earn it, deserve it. It's because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross on Good Friday that, Father, we have the ability to receive from you today receive from you today healing health wholeness deliverance we receive it today in jesus mighty name amen hallelujah would you put your hands together and praise him today hallelujah lord thank you mighty god hallelujah as we close today i just i want to remind you i sent out an email yesterday uh, concerning the lockdown, the current lockdown. And I want to remind you that regardless of, of you know, people's opinions, you've got every spectrum in society, right? You've got people, I was watching a comedian yesterday, he said, you've got people that are, are so uptight, they, they wear their mask in the shower, right? He said, then you've got people on the other hand that they're living like they're trying to catch it. Do you know what I mean? He said, like, they're, they're ignoring everything, and they look like they're actually trying to catch COVID-19. And, and he, it was quite funny, and he was, he was uh, doing a really good job at helping to explain the, the, the incredible range of people that we have. But here we are as Christians planted in the middle of it all, right? And what are we called to be? 
salt, and light. Not condemnation, right? Not a pointy finger. Salt and light is what we're called to be. So regardless of what you encounter, if you encounter somebody who's wound tighter than a watch spring, you're salt and light. You're salt and light. You're salt and light. You pray for them. You ask God to help them. You ask God to, to minister to their fears and to their concerns. You, you stand with them because God wants to minister his love and his affection to them. Amen? And if you meet somebody that, that's on the total opposite spectrum, just love on them. You know? They might have conspiracy theories coming out their eyeballs. Love on them because they still need Jesus because whether you're, you have fear of a virus or fear of a conspiracy, it's still fear. And it's not of God because the Bible says his perfect love casts out all fear. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? So just say this. I am salt. I am light. I will pray. I will believe for the best for every life you bring across my path amen amen is that a good strategy today amen amen just a reminder you you are influencers so you have the ability to reset the atmosphere where you're going that's right so don't underestimate that don't underestimate the power of, of Christ that you carry with you have to speak peace. You have the ability to speak peace and to carry peace that will defy logic. Amen. It will defy people's logic. So, so be that peace. Walk in it. Amen. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful day we've had to celebrate together. Good Friday. Something bad ha uh, happening. Somebody really good. And we thank you that that act of mercy on our behalf of Jesus taking the punishment so that we don't have to, has enabled us to be here today and to be free. Father, we pray, God, that as your favor would fall upon your house as we would leave this place, that God, and we gather back on Sunday, Lord, in two services, celebrating you, that Lord, you would uh, lift us up and plant us wherever we work, wherever we go to school, wherever we uh, are throughout the week as salt and light, because we know Tetaleste, it is finished. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you and have an amazing weekend.